AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Her with Amina Brown. We're back in the living room together. And I love when y'all come to the living room. And I also love when we have a guest. And we have a guest <laughs> in the living room with us today. So I want to welcome spoken word poet, writer, model, actor, author of new book, The Unfolding, an invitation to come home to yourself, Ariel Astoria. That's what you get, Ariel. You get two strong. Oh. Whoops, that's a third one. Three weeks. Yes. Oh my goodness. I wish everyone could see this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate this. Oh my gosh, thank you. I feel like this is just an accumulation of like so many years and just having been able to be watching and guided by you, whether you know it or not. So this Same. is um, this is a gift. This is a gift. Same, watching your work too. And Ariel, for those of y'all, because Ariel be, and I be talking about stuff that's not y'all business, but you know, now we're recording so we can talk to y'all about things that are y'all business. But uh, one of the things we were talking about prior to the recording that we gonna let be y'all business is that mm-hmm. Ariel and I should have met many years ago. This is not yep. right and it's not okay. We have a lot of mutual <laughs> friends 
Yes. It's like so right. much Venn diagram, like mm-hmm. in both of our lives. We've literally been orbiting, just orbiting around each other, but just never, just never meeting. Yeah. We've well, decided, so I guess, now COVID is to blame. COVID is to blame yeah. for that. And yeah. I, I hate it. I feel like I feel like I want to blame COVID the way people blame the devil when I was growing up. Like I really want to be like, wow, <laughs> wow, y'all are letting COVID use you. Like that's what I feel right now. Right, right. No. And I'm like half of it, it's like, oh, I never want to like demonize it, you know, because just that energy of of demonizing things in general. But at the same time, I'm like, I think life could have been a lot different. <laughs> Like, why you do that, COVID? Three, four years of this. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Why you doing it? But we here now, Ariel. We here now. I'm very glad. I also want to let the audience in on something that's really unfortunate about being a poet. Because nine times out of 10, especially if you are (laughs) a poet, like, performing at events, nine times out of 10, you don't meet other Uh poets there. Because they only book us one at a time. Why? One at a time. And, like, hella spaced out in the day too Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you're like oh you're the morning one you're the afternoon one you're the evening so we just be rolling on just by ourselves it's not right (laughs) how to make something out of it yeah it's not right literally orbiting just orbiting see so i just want y'all to know a lot of a lot of us fellow poets unless we live in the same city and like come Mm -hmm. from the same poetry scene if we don't live Mm -hmm. in the same city the people make it hard unless you're going to a poetry yeah. conference. Then you will right. see. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a thing? Are there poetry conferences? There are. I, I am just learning about this apparently that there are poetry conferences. Have I been going to them? Apparently not. So now I'm very right. I'm very starved for meeting other poets because I have wonderful, yes. wonderful poetry community where I live. I know you do too. Yeah. But sometimes you want to like, especially those of us who are traveling That's sometimes. Out. Yeah. You want to like meet yeah. some other people. What What's it like in your city? What, what are you doing yeah. there? the community okay so I need links to whatever these yes we need to talk about that mm-hmm. are. yes Ariel and I gonna figure this out we gonna figure this out <laughs> and one day we gonna hug each other it's gonna be a time yes it's gonna be great it's gonna be a time be great okay so I like to describe to my listeners that this mm-hmm. podcast space is a living room because that is mm-hmm. the space where I gather with my girlfriends that's the mm-hmm. space where when we you know sometimes you need to have a conversation with your girlfriend you're like we can't do this in a restaurant like I really need to be in a right. home where I can yes. say my things that need to be said yes. not in a public mm-hmm. space and mm-hmm. some of my girlfriends are more fancy with the snacks that they bring of some of them are very like you know, I could get a, my stack in a gas station and you better be happy about whatever <laughs> I bring in here. So I want to start with an important question, Ariel. When you are gathering with your your girlfriends, your, your mm. peoples, your homies, mm. your community people, that you're very close mm-hmm. with them, I want to know what's the snack? What, what, mm. what, are you, what are you bringing into the yes. space? If you are asked to yes. bring your snack, what, mm-hmm. what is it? Um, I am a do the most kind of individual. So we'll, we'll start there. So if I'm hosting, there will be leftovers. There will, and even if a snack, there's going to be a leftover. I probably will make you take some home. Um, I love a charcuterie. I love a cheese cracker situation, but Mm -hmm. like, I'm also going to throw some fruit in there. I'm also going to throw some Marcana almonds with the truffle on it. I might even throw in, you know, like a little, like something. I just, I don't know how to do things 
I am not a nonchalant kind of person. Mm. I am all of the chalant. Mm. So yeah, if I'm bringing something, then I try to scale back because obviously that's a lot of work, more work. Um, but even if I'm bringing something, it's like, oh no, we can't go to like Ralph's, which is just like a grocery store here in LA. Like I got to go to like Whole Foods because like at least I can make a presentation out of me just bringing something. So that's kind of the route I go. Um, oh, it's a charcuterie. Yeah. I, I want to say that you had me at truffle because that's really, you know, yes. like when you said that, I was like, oh, I know the caliber of snack now. Thank yes. you. Like truffle almond. Mm, truffle, mm. And they're like, shaved, you know, shaved down. So all the truffle really gets on, on the almond. Yeah. That's where we're going to, it has to have a truffle moment. That's definitely where I stand. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. really like this and I appreciate the the much chalance. I appreciate <laughs> the amount of chalance given to that. Like I, yes. I thank you for that. And I feel like we we all need a friend who is like mm-hmm. you, you know, because sometimes yeah. you're you're missing out on some delicious things thank of life. You. Yes, yes. And my husband is definitely a, he's like a we're doing too much, you know, like just and I'm also I'm the oldest child. I'm a pastor's kid. So hospitality, whether I want it to be or not, is just in my bones. Mm-hmm. And also come from the, there's like seven, eight of us. So people will be fed. You know, there's just like so much in me that can't help but I'm like, yeah, there's two of us and I did too much, but it's, but it's fine. <laughs> I, but it's fine. I'm going to commiserate with you and tell you that as a cook, I am a person who it's like, I don't know how to cook for less than 20 people. It's like yes. I made an individual thing for myself or it's 20 people. Don't ask me or about five. <laughs> don't ask me about 17. Right. I don't know. But it's no. like I I made one pudding cup for myself or it's 20 people. Or, and I just... Yeah. I, or I, it's enough to feed I, everyone. I don't know. I don't know. Complex. And to me, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. I'm like... This this is also like Southern Black woman things for me too. That like mm-hmm. the worst offense is that you invited someone to your home for food and you ran out of food. So to me, yeah. to have an overabundance of food means what? Uh-huh. People pack up and take leftovers right. with them. It's more to share. Right. I don't more see where the error is there, but there's an yep. error in me making food for two people and seven people showed up and now we don't have enough food. Like that's really <laughs> the biggest like mm-hmm. fear that I have in hosting people. Literally, literally. Yeah, yeah, I feel that struggling. I, I mean, like, you probably answer this question all the time, but I'm also curious like what you bring. Mm. I mean, it depends on like the mood and it probably depends on the friend. It depends on the mood and the mm. the friend, the, the point of our visit. I mm. feel if we are both tired, I'm a hummus girl. I am mm. a good hummus girl though. You know, like it's gotta yes. be like, I really, I, I am also like, this is a hummus that I have to go maybe to Whole Foods and get. Right. Like it's a brand right. that I need to really have. Um, There's a brand called Roots Hummus here in the Southeast. And I don't play games about that hummus. There's only like two grocery stores I know of that sell that thing. And I'm going there. So I'm I'm, okay. I'm a hummus girl. I probably already Mm -hmm. had three of them in the fridge. I take one Mm -hmm. and bring it to your home. But if we're celebratory, then Mm -hmm. I too like to get involved in some charcuterie. But I'm going to tell you Right. right now, 
it's going to be very ugly because I'm a terribly not visual person. So if the people were looking for like an Instagram worthy charcuterie, I'm more in the ugly delicious category. Yes. Of charcuterie. Okay, we love an ugly like, We do. Wow, that looks terrible, but it's delicious. That's really me where I'm at right okay. now. Um, in my broke days, I have been a person who's like, Herein, I have a chocolate bar that I broke two squares <laughs> off of. Um, maybe I have a bell pepper that I tried slicing right. a little bit of. And here's a bag of tortilla chips that I mm-hmm. ate some late last night and I put a clip on it and I have arrived and, to your home. Yep. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. All of the layers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have been yeah. that person. So I feel, I feel snacks mm-hmm. are very important. I want to also ask you... Do you have a favorite snack? Like, is there a snack that you're like, this a must have for me? Yeah. I love, I feel like I will always come back to a chips and salsa. I feel like for some reason that will always, it's always going to hit. It's, there's just something about it where you're like, oh, I'm not super like hungry, but I'm trying to snack. And it's just like, you just grab it. And it's probably not all salsas. Like I'm a chunky, I'm a chunky kind of salsa mm-hmm, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, in the mild range is where I sit. I like it. Um, I like it. Yes. So that I feel like a chips and salsa is kind of where I'm always going to go. Um, I love an almond. Um, I, any type really. I have a wide variety of almond loves. Um, but also I have a sister who's allergic to nuts, so I'm not about to bring that. That's like always like, that's almost like my thing. I know that they can have a knot, that they can be around those. If not, then I'm steering clear. But um, I will always have them in my home. Mm. So they are an accessibility Mm. and we can add it to the mix, you know? Um, But chips is also for sure. I think that's the first one. And like, I love a popcorn. I love a popcorn. Love a popcorn. So I'll bring a bag of, um, is it Annie's? Um, I think, um, yeah, I'll bring a bag of popcorn. Or I'll make popcorn. Like mm-hmm. we, I grew up like kernels on the stove. Okay. Do not give me a machine. Like okay. melt the butter, shift it, shake it, salt, shift it, shake it. Like I love a good kettle popcorn. Ooh. Yeah. Mm, when you said yeah. on the stove, I was like, come on. Yeah. Come on, Aria. That's, the people need <laughs> it. Has it has to be on the stove. The people I've need it. The machines. I've done. It doesn't. The same. Mm-mm. It does Mm-mm. not taste the same. You can't convince me that it does. So, no, the people yeah. need it. I, mm. I love the stove popcorn. <laughs> I, I'm here for everything about this. Okay, yeah. let's. I want to talk about your poet origin story because we are going Ooh. to get into the book. I'll say the title mm-hmm. again for you listeners The Unfolding, an invitation to come home to yourself. And mm-hmm. I'm selfishly asking this because I'm just curious and want to know. <laughs> But was there a moment that you knew you wanted to write poetry? And was there a moment you Mm. knew you then also wanted to perform it? Because for those of us who perform poetry, Mm. those two moments are not always the same. So what would you say is your Um, origin story there? I would say that I didn't have that. I knew I wanted to write moment. Um, I always wrote. I just, I didn't know how to process, to think, to, to feel without doing that. So that just was like a very natural thing I had to do, if that makes sense. And not out of like, oh, poetry was like keeping me captive, but I needed that, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, in some cases it needed me. So writing was always like, yeah, I do this. Yeah, this is how I heal. Yeah, this is who I am. It was the performing that definitely came a lot later. 
um, my my performing background is theater first and foremost. So mm. before I was writing poems that I would say out loud, I was writing plays and short stories and monologues and things like that that just were in this very poetic way. And it wasn't until college where I had someone say like that was spoken word. And I'm like, no, that was a monologue that I realized that they were actually like really connected. And I was already doing it without knowing that I was doing it. Mm. So the performing came through theater. Um, I have always been an on stage kind of person. And I shut down a lot of that just because of my upbringing. And, and a lot of that is in the book as well. But um, I shut down a lot of it in a sense of like, this is not glorifying to God. Um, you can't be an artist and creative unless it just is scripture, sure. scripture, scripture, mm-hmm. you know, God, God, God. And so I kind of shied away with like doing that thing. Cause I was like, Oh, I can't, I can't do this. This is glorifying to me, not to the Lord, you know, which I've done a lot of that as a, and it's, it's my profession now. And so, um, that's where my origin for performing and, and writing came from. And then it wasn't until college where I'm like into my psych degree, thinking that I'm about to work at a university and be in the student development world, that I was like, maybe I should actually give this more of a try. Um, And it had been all throughout college of the performing aspect. Now realizing through theater, okay, this is actually a whole nother creative realm that I have not fully tapped into. Um, And I went to an arts high school, again, theater. All of it was like theater and writing. So I was kind of teetering on that world. And then spoken word specifically came in in college. Um, and I competed for two years on a, on a slam team and then was president of our poetry club and then carried that out to conferences and things like that. But it kind of just, it all kind of just snowballed together. But the writing had always been like the core of everything. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Tell me who are some of your favorite poets? Mm. Um, one of them that I will probably, always always say is my coach his name is brian his poetry name is superb or Mm. super b um and he has this one poem and it will be the thing that haunts me in the most beautiful way forever and ever and he ties the beginning of his poem to the end of his poem but the way he does it is just every person every detail connects back and then circles right back around and it is about like basically death and his grandma and it's just like stunning so he is a storyteller that I just I love his heart. I love his personhood. Um, and I will always go back to kind of like my OG, like in awe people that I I, I think will carry with me forever is Sarah and Phil Kay. Mm, um, yeah. Both of them are people who have like, if you they're still on YouTube, um, their poem about each other, you know, and mm-hmm. while they'll never date is like one of my favorites. Um, their poem about when love finds you is one of my favorite. And so, and then Sarah Kay on her own is also a poet who um, I think the first spoken word in a sense of with her Ted talk with a poem to my daughter, that was the first poem I was like, let me try to write a version of this myself. Um, and they're both based in, in New York city. Um, and then I'm getting more into like, sadly, I realized like a lot of besides my Angelou, like I didn't grow up with, learning or knowing about a black a lot of black folk so i mean coming back into that space um nizati shang who's like a poet but then also a playwright um i'm really getting back into like her work um and so um yeah and then um um worse on shire i think um and i hope i'm saying worse on um their name right but they're just they're just such like this um 
floating entity that's like there and not there. But then when you read their work, you're like, what? Who is this? Where did this come from? And if you're not familiar with them, Beyonce had her, I think, in Lemon and Lemonade. Yes, right? Yes. yes. And did. Yes. And did. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, those are the ones that come to mind now. I think every time I answer that question, it's different, except for the Phil Sarah K and then my 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 coach, uh, Brian. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, Warsan and Lemonade, specifically <sighs> like <sighs> watching the film Lemonade until yeah. like not knowing at first that that was Warsan Shire's work. Who that was. That we're hearing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I literally watched it the first time and thought, if this is Beyonce writing spoken word for the first time, like, I, I really contemplated Ariel. I was like, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't the career for me. Like, maybe this isn't, because if Beyonce could just sit down randomly, like, mad as right. hell at her husband right. and write this. Um, I've, I've been trying a long time. And right. like, for Beyonce to try one time and it sounds like that. And then be like, yeah. Like mm-hmm. the first time watching it through, I was like, I don't know. I really, I really questioned my career choices. <laughs> and then I went went on Twitter and everybody was like, oh my God, we're so excited. Warza. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. said, Woo, okay. okay All you. right. Okay. Cause Beyonce, don't do me. Don't do me. Don't show up and you ain't been writing poems and now you writing a poem and it sound like that. But when I saw Warsaw Shire name, I said, Oh, I got a right. chance. Oh, thank God. It's a chance okay. for there's a room for I'm me. There's, there's room, room for, for me. me. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Uh yes. I, I want more of them, but they are definitely like, like she, she knows she's a gift. Like mm-hmm. they, like they, they know they're a gift. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, where are you? Are you in London? Like where I just, it's, I need it's to very, know where you are, what you're doing. It's giving Sade. I think Warsan Shire yeah. gives us a poet's version of Sade. It's like mm-hmm. Warsan beat me out a book. Right. A thing that Warsan has done. And then yeah. Warsan just kind of like dissipate into their Disappear. personal life. And I feel like that's a Sade vibe because Sade yeah. be like, ah, soldier of love. And then just uh-huh. dissipates into her personal life. I, she doesn't care. Like Sade doesn't care. Y'all no. wanted an interview. Y'all, right. y'all want to know what I'm doing? It doesn't matter. When I feel like putting an album out, I do it. And then I You're tour and then I like then disappear into the stratosphere. And I feel yeah. that's a war song vibe. Yeah. yeah. I feel that's a war song vibe. So shout out to War yeah. Shire for giving us hope that we too could be <sighs> poets Thank still. You. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to ask about another favorite. Are you a person that watches reality TV show? Are you, are you, do you watch the genre of reality okay. TV? And if you do, do you have a favorite that you could share with us? Sure. Love is Blind is the only show. I am, I don't like reality TV. I never liked reality. I'm also an Enneagram 4. So I don't, I don't do well with this level Mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to like television, which I think is creating, you know, like as an actor too, I'm like, that's, that's money there. That's movement. That's creativity. So whenever it's just like, just I'm there to binge trashy stuff. My heart's like, I can't, I can't function. But thank you to COVID. I did fall for the love is blind situation. And I watched all seasons up until the most recent. And the most recent reminded me 
this is reality TV and I don't do that shit. So I was like, and I'm done. <laughs> and that's a wrap on me. I tried the circle because my sisters are obsessed with it. Couldn't. Um, we watched one season of uh, Too Hot to Handle. Couldn't. No. Um, I just, yeah, after even the spinoff of Love is Blind, I think I watched one episode. I said, uh, Ultimatum, the Ultimatum. Oh, I watched one right. episode of the Ultimatum. I said, Absolutely not. I can't. <laughs> I cannot. So, Love is Blind is the only one. And I went through like years of just everyone around me just living and breathing The Bachelor. And I said, I, I can't. I would rather sit in my room, eat peanut butter, and watch reruns of Psych. And that's a lot of what I did while my whole hall had parties for The Bachelor. I said, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so, Love is Blind has been the only one. And I only really watched it for Lauren and Cameron. And then I got sucked in. And now I'm out. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I have mm-hmm. to agree with you here about Love is Blind. Shout out to Lauren and Cameron because they Cameron. they really... If, like I feel like if that had not been the first season, like, because there's like, I think we're three seasons Wait. now, right? So like, I feel like if like the uh-huh. seasons have been like switched around and Lauren and Cameron's season had been two or three, I would I would never have watched it. It was something about their season mm-hmm. that really like wildly nope. made you believe yes. in the format, which then took me into the second season. Yeah. But by the time it got to this one, yes. I was like, oh, that's right. This don't work. But I'm glad it worked then, for yeah. Lauren and Cameron. Shout out to work. them. Okay. For them. It worked. <sighs> We love them. And I was like, she teases, like, you know, like, oh, rewearing, she like posted something, I was like, rewearing my lowest blind stuff. And I think I commented, I was like, come on back on the show and host it because anyway, the hosts are a whole different subject. I'm just like, and it's not an experiment anymore. It's only experiment if you do it the one time. Now people know the outcome and they know they can grow a following. They can get a podcast. They can boop, boop, boop. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I can't. I can't do this anymore. You ain't told not one lie. I did also the first two seasons, so they were so great. Like the first two seasons were really wonderful. Something about this last season had me like, oh, that's right. This this is feeling terrible. But but I'm not gonna lie, listeners. Uh I be talking trash, and when season four come on, I'm gonna probably watch it anyways. So don't worry, Ariel. (laughs) Don't you worry, girl. I will probably watch it and just be messaging you like you don't have to watch, but let me tell you. Let me tell you. This last season, I was like, I'm done. Two seasons, I'm good. But my sister, she kept posting on Instagram. And now I'm like, no, I need context. Dang it. So then I watched and then I sucked my husband in. And we were just, at the end of it, we were like, we can't get this back. (laughs) Can't get none of that time back. We can't undo it. And you want to binge it because you need to know. All of it is just wired for addiction and I hate it. (laughs) that's not a lie that's not a lie snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over six million active hourly workers snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand tempt to hire part-time or full-time you name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Okay, I want to talk to you about your book process because <laughs> I'm always curious about how book ideas arrive to authors. Mm. So how did the idea for unfolding come to you? Yeah, yeah. So um, in 2018, actually, there was like this weird sweep of like publishers like reaching out, honestly, I think to people with Instagram followings. I think that's completely what it was. Um, they don't really know that I could write, but they're just like, you post a graphic. I think you are it. And so in 2018, I just said, I said no to like four different publishers because I didn't, I didn't have it. Like, and I'm very much so like, if an idea is nested, I can birth it. Like I, I see it. I start dreaming about it. Like I'm working on a, on content tomorrow for the book. Um, just like Q and A, reading some quotes and also a new poem I wrote called a prayer for the church girl. And I can see all of it in my head. I can see the visuals. I can see the dancers. I can see everything. So for this, when they were asking, I was like, I can't, I can't see, I can't envision any of this. And that really, that really sit, sat in my spirit of like, I don't think it's time yet. Mm-hmm. I said no to every single one of them. And then a year later, like a few months later, I met my now literary agent. And she was the first person to say, you know, you don't have to write a book right now. Like if that's not in your spirit, you don't have to do that. So I released it. And then a year later, a whole lot of things happened. Um, I got engaged to a person um, that was not a lot of people's first choice. Um, And my faith started um, starting to do this unravel thing. You know, everyone talks about deconstructing. I I don't like that term. I also think that negates a lot of the Black experience. And so for me, it was just like, this word feels so heavy. And so just um, um, destructive, you know, and I was like, this doesn't, 
feel like me. And also at the same time, I don't feel like I'm becoming this new person. I don't feel like I'm, I just feel like I'm folding back these layers mm. hence the unfolding. Um, and then it came time where I just kept spilling poem after poem and experience after experience. And, um, and a year later, then another publisher came, reached back out, but this time I knew the unfolding. I had written it in my notes a year or two before that. I was like, oh, this might be a new spoken word album. It might be like, I didn't know what it was, but I just, the unfolding that's, and I just put that in my notes. Um, and then eventually the book started to form and I was like, oh, the book is called the, okay, great. You know, like, I don't know how your creative process comes, but sometimes you get these downloads, these dumps, these, you know, inklings, whatever you want to call it. And you don't know where they go. Like, you don't know what it could be for, or you do, but there's some, like the title, I didn't know what it was going to be until those poems started to form. And then I called that process, the unfolding. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, pitched it and then started writing more consecrated within that storyline then. Yeah. Um, and obviously working with a publisher, like, you know, getting notes and getting feedback from a third person. This is my first under a publisher book. And mm. so my first two were just poetry. It was with other people. It was self-published. Um, but having a little bit more hands in the kitchen, <laughs> as I like to say, definitely helped with creating this really full um, and really beautiful thing. Even though I had the initial idea, I knew what the title was going to be when it came time for that, all of that. I knew what the vibes and the visuals were for. Um, and then all of that came together within the last like two and a half years. So I signed the contract in October of 2019. And I've been writing it um, up until um, honestly, like in the middle of last year is when like final edits, final notes, and then record the audiobook in December. And then she's out in March. Yeah. Nice. Oh my goodness. So listeners, as you are hearing this, Ariel's book is out there where you can <laughs> get it in your hands if you're a person that needs yeah. that physical book that you can mm -hmm. turn the pages to. You yes. can also hear the audio, which I think is going to be really gorgeous because you know, mm -hmm. your voice is such an important part, not just in the figurative yeah. sense of voice, but your, your right. literal sound Physical of your voice, voice is so important mm -hmm. to your to your work, you know? Yeah. So I think it's going to be dope. You can you can engage this way. You can yes. get it on your, your Kindle or your iPad or whatever, yes. your tablet situation. You have all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't click on the link already, you need you to do it right now. <laughs> okay, yes. this is what I want to know, Ariel. When you were writing, did you... I guess in general, do you find yourself a person that writes to music? And if so, mm -hmm. did you find yourself feeling inspired by any particular musical artists or mm -hmm. genres of music while you were working on the book? Yeah. Um, so I tend to always write to instrumental music. Um, I tend to avoid words. Some some artists, some creatives can like, and I find this is a lot of screenwriters and things like that. They can write things um, and it comes from music, but I'm also like, that doesn't get in as messy of a detail as it does with copyright and stuff. So I really try not to have words that way. I'm not like, you know, just typing out someone's lyrics <laughs> subconsciously thinking it's a poem. Um, so I write to instrumental music and that's like that instrumental music that really builds. I love people's names I can't pronounce. They're mm. probably German composers. They're probably from some other space. Um, and so I have a playlist usually that I rotate through um, and I'll write through that space. And then specifically, there is a song 
um, by an artist, a Canadian artist. His name is Luca Fogel. Um, and I, it was like funny. I'm like in the process of writing already. Um, I have the title. And then my friend Ruthie Lindsay, she posts this song called The Unfolding by Luca Fogel. And I was like, okay, wild. Um, And I listen to it and I just start weeping because all of it is literally what I'm experiencing and also writing. Um, And some of the lyrics are just like, you're not breaking, um, you're unfolding. You know, you are not broken, you are not breaking, you are unfolding. And he himself comes from somewhat of a, a faith background. And so... All of it just was like so timely. And so that specific song in some spaces of editing and writing, I just listened to that wow. over and over and over again. Yeah. And I do I do quote him um, in the book. And so um, that's just a specific song. But then, yeah, most instrumental. Um, I love Amanda Lindsay Cook instrumental. Um, I love um, Niels Fromm instrumental, Sleeping at Last. Um, those are all people that I'm just like, give me a vibe, give me a feel. Um, and I'll usually get sparked or um, creatively um, ignited by that. <laughs> yeah. I, I also love what you said earlier about waiting until you felt like you had something to say in this book or waiting for mm-hmm. the idea to kind of arrive to you. And I do mm-hmm. think it's interesting. I hear this a lot among us as writers and authors, people from various sundry corners of the business mm-hmm. and life sort of coming to you like, oh, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's it's time for a book, <laughs> you know, and yeah. sometimes the idea isn't there yeah. or yeah. the the place inside your own soul where you're ready right. to write about whatever the story is or where you know what the idea mm-hmm. is. And I just really wanted to say, I think that is an important word for mm-hmm. all of us uh, listeners here to wait for the idea to say. Um, and I think that applies to books, but I think it applies yeah. to a lot of kind of creative work that people sort of can come into your life and say, oh, it's time, the next <laughs> stage of your career, you need to do <laughs> blank, whatever that is. It's a book, it's an album, it's a whatever mm-hmm. it is. And yeah. really not letting that be the pressure, but yes. giving yourself the space to see what, the poem, the book, the album actually wants to be. Yeah. And also knowing that it's time doesn't mean now. We've associated it's time. So in this moment, but like it's time could be a very wide range of, and that could be a year, you know, that could be a few months, but just know that you're, you're, you're grounding and centering and perp hearing yourself for that time but it's time doesn't mean now and I think that was you know like I knew there was a book I felt that there was a something but I just knew timing wise and my husband's always like time's a construct but it's time it's like he just goes on a whole whole thing but you know in a sense I'm like actually I do kind of see that because we put ourselves in these um constraints when when time is in to the conversation but i think um one i believe in orchestration and i believe in 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 divine divine timing i i believe in um you know things happening in in synchronous ways um and so we think it's time yeah i think think we can release ourselves from thinking that means right now in this breath (laughs) you know i think that means like when that it's time you know um 
not warnings, but uh, reminders, you know, or thoughts come up. I think using that as more of a space of like, all right, I clearly need to start preparing myself for something or to be open to the idea. I think once I'm open to something, then it's like, you know, you see a car that you buy and you start seeing it everywhere. I think similarly ideas and creative processes similar to for, for me mm. um, in a sense of like, oh, once I start that, like, okay, I'm putting it in. It's there. Do what you want with it, God. Like, do what you want with it. You, you know, like um, divine, like that's when I start to be like, oh, look at that idea. Okay, put it, you know, and store it. But know that it's time doesn't mean right now in this moment that you can release yourself I think from from that idea yeah. yeah oh that's so good just to give yourself give your creative self the patience and give the ideas the patience mm-hmm. I think I was just uh, talking with yeah. a good girlfriend of mine and I was saying like we have to try to be patient with the ideas because yeah. some ideas I mean I know you've experienced as a, as a poet too it's like I have some poems that like whoo that came quickly and then I have some mm-hmm. that they just they take months to write they take years to yeah. write and it doesn't matter yeah. how many times I try to rush a little two lines at the end right. so I can finish it the poem would be like I'm not mm-hmm. done <laughs> like let yeah. me do what I'm doing let here you yeah. know let yeah, me absolutely. let me have my say the way I want to not the way you want me to <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. that is sort of a challenge of creative work but also sure. it's what draws us back because that's the journey yeah. of getting to see what the ideas want to be you know yeah. so yeah. I think that's lovely okay I want to ask you what was your favorite thing about this book like if you could say it, it could be about the process of writing it it could be about you now being able to look at the whole thing mm-hmm. now that it's written. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing? My favorite, my favorite part of the process was definitely the audiobook. I think being a spoken word poet, it, it was just like, ooh, it was just it was like so exciting. Like, and they gave me this like whole long like preparation and like they're like, it's a lot of sitting, it's a lot of speaking. And like, it was kind of scary at first, but then I was like, this is my wheelhouse. Like, this is my arena. Like, and I had a director in my ear and like, she was just like so lovely and like guiding as well. And we finished in like a day and three hours, I think. Wow. Um, and so it like went so fast. Um, But yeah, I think getting to that part and then also like, reading my acknowledgements out loud. Like I, again, I'm, I'm an emotive, I'm a sensitive person. So crying is not necessarily, I'm sad. It's just like, I'm processing, I'm feeling, um, I'm happy. I'm seeing to be a lot of different things. And so I did the whole book and I was like, okay, I didn't cry. And my best friend, who's also a photographer, she was like, I was kind of expecting that you would, you know, and then we get to the last day and I'm reading who I'm thinking, you know, for, for guiding me, for knowing me before a book even comes out, before a book deal, for, um, you know, being part of the process, whether they, you know, know it or not. And that part is what made me really emotional. I think I just kind of saw this wave in these years of like, I knew I would be a creative. I knew I would be a writer. I just never fully envisioned what that would entail and what that could fully look like. So um, being in that space was just like this, overwhelming gush of just like gratitude and and so that's where I ended up crying and um yeah I think that audiobook was definitely I was like it was almost like that part where you're like the adrenaline I guess after you give birth and people are like oh my god a baby look what I did and you forget the pain you forget you know how much time you forget all those things that's what I've been told um so it was like kind of that moment where I was just like 
look at this beautiful thing I birthed and now I was like, oh, I miss it. I want to do it again. <laughs> you know, like I want to have this moment again. And so I think the audiobook was also like my final moment where I was like, oh, this is my last like intimate moment with my book. Just me and 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 her. I guess I'll call her her. Um, just me and her. And it was like that last moment of like, okay, I'm about to release you. Like you're about to be out in the world. Wow. And so I think that was like a really, a really beautiful moment. Um, and I loved the process of writing it too. And mm. it's different ways. Like I went outside a lot as much as I could. Um, and I, I enjoyed that. And so, but I think the audiobook makes me want to do it all over again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. I, I yeah. love about the book that it is this combination of nonfiction and mm-hmm. poetry together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed that mix of getting mm-hmm. a chance to know some of the, sometimes it's like the background connected yeah. to how a poem got written. Poems, um, yeah. You also are taking us through the phases that happen in the unfolding, mm-hmm. which I thought mm-hmm. was such a beautiful way to think about that because I think, uh, mm-hmm. especially sometimes in different sort of developmental stages of life. I think we think of that as far as like childhood development, but I don't think we think about it as much as the developmental phases that we experience as adults. And sometimes we are experiencing this shift of who we thought we were going to be. And maybe now Mm -hmm. that's a different something or Mm -hmm. the family of origin that we're from. Mm -hmm. And maybe now we realize some things we believe or want to do in life or want to be that are different than maybe we were raised to be. And like, there are a lot of those shifts and it's sort of like, it's not that what you were giving us in the book reminded me of the stages of grief, but in the way that Mm -hmm. when you're grieving, the stages of grief sort of give you give you like a context as to like, where am I, you know, yeah. in the process, yeah. even though it isn't a linear thing. Right. And I yeah. think in the unfolding sort of the phases you're giving us there in the book, give us a way to say, okay, I'm here. You yeah. know, I see myself at this portion of that and yeah. I may experience these phases at different times. I mean, would you mm-hmm. say that the process of unfolding has not felt linear to you as well? Yeah, not at all. And I say in the book, I was like, this is, do not hold this to being a linear thing. I think we um, discount any stage of any part of life um, when we view it and ex- and think we're experiencing it linearly. And I think that's our, our human need to control. I think that's our human need to know what's happening and know what's going to come next. There's a lot of safety in that, especially for, you know, um, um, trauma healing and things like that. But also like to know that something is cyclical, I think there's peace there and knowing that like, one, I'm not going to stay here the whole time, but two, I could come back to this point. And when we come back to it, we learn a little bit more that time around. And so um, it definitely is cyclical. And and even as I'm sitting it two, three years now, there's like little parts of me that are still coming back to part one, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I get to the point where I've, I've mended and, and I've returned. And now I'm all the way back at the beginning where I say is the awakening. I feel like I'm realizing and seeing new things. And especially now as I'm like in my space of, of faith, I'm just like, I am tired of hearing from, from white 
people. That's just kind of like where I'm at in my space. And so I'm trying to immerse myself in in Black authors, in Black theology, in Black liberation conversation. And so I feel like I'm just awakening all over again, yeah. you know? Um, and so I think giving yourself grace in that space to know um, that you could get here again, you could go backwards, you could be um, on the next level of uh, eclipsing while you're in the middle of illuminating and it, all of it is just um, part of it. It's all part of it. Um, and there's no right or wrong. Um, yeah. There's no good or bad. Um, it's that's the unfolding. That's that's where we're at. We're experiencing all of it and, and what it means to be human and, and to change and grow. And- oh, I love it. I love it so much. <sighs> the way Ariel trying to get me in my tear ducts, y'all. She's <laughs> trying to get me right here in my tear ducts. Ariel, you are now going to have this experience of having written this book and now the Mm. book going into the hands of Mm. the people, of people reading it. Some who are very familiar with your work, some Mm -hmm. who will be meeting your work for the first time. What do you hope the reader walks away with? Like if they have their physical book and they close the end of it, they get to mm. the end of their audiobook recording. They get to that part of the ebook where it like mm. gives you other links to the author and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what do you hope the reader is gaining from the book when they get to the end? Yeah, um, I think first and foremost, I hope that I'm I'm taken out of it. I think just like constantly as an artist, as a creative, I'm like you're only left with like wow, that was so cool of her. Or I love, you know, X, Y, Z, her. Or that was great. I I feel like then I didn't do what I was supposed to do in there. And each of the phases end in reflection questions specifically so that I'm taken out of it. Um, I say, like I teach yoga and I've been saying in my classes, I'm like, I am a guide, but you are the teacher. You know your body more than anyone knows your body. Um, You know what feels good. You know what comes next. I'm just here to guide what you already know. And I think I, I'm trying to do that with the book as well. I think I'm calling it the unfolding. But you could have called it something entirely different for the last five years. We're just creating another name for it. Um, and so I hope that first and foremost, I'm taken out of it. And then I think secondly, I think there's um, this exhale of like, okay, I'm not alone. Okay, I'm not crazy in this. Um, okay, there's solidarity. Um, and that I can trust myself in in this process of moving forward. I think the greatest works sometimes are the works we read and we're like, I knew this, you know, like I knew I I knew this about myself or I knew this was happening or I had that thought and I didn't know how to um, execute it the way I wanted to. Do. Um, and then there's the books and the things we read that um, challenge and bring up new ideas. So I hope there's a mix of both, some of trusting yourself and then also some of I'm like, okay, I didn't, I didn't know that, or I didn't expect that. And now I can put that in that space for myself. Um, and so, and I hope it's something you can pick back up, you know, and, and keep coming back to you, whether it's just the poems or whether it's the reflection questions to journal in your own thought process and your own healing. And so, um, yeah, those are kind of like the, the goals and, and maybe a few tears because I, I hope that this heals a little bit. Um, I hope that it brings about, on healing um, and orchestrates healing that maybe you're already navigating as well. And so I think those are my, those are my main things on my heart um, in terms of what I hope people get from it. I love that. Tell the people how they can 
follow you, how they can stay connected to your work, and also tell the people how they can buy this book, how mm-hmm. they can buy five copies. Yeah. That's what we want. Five copies at a time. Because if, <laughs> if you buy five yeah. copies, like the thing is, you always got one for yourself. True. And then when people come over, sometimes if you got a physical book, they'd be like, oh my gosh, I always wanted to. And now you got like an extra one. You could like uh-huh. give it to them um, for mm-hmm. gifts, you know, random yes. birthday parties. Like yes. you have a lot of things you could do with five copies. So where can yes. they follow you and buy five copies of the book, Ariel? <laughs> so you can go to my website, which is just my name, Ariel with two L's and an E, Astoria, E-S-T-O-R-I-A dot com. Um, you can buy the book through there. Um, I list a few different um, spaces like bookshop, um, but then also if you want to support black owned, um, there's reparations book, um, bookstore on there as well. Um, you can, if you're local, go into a local bookstore and purchase from there, go to a physical space. I still believe in physical books. I still believe in physical book spaces. So if you can walk into your Romans or something physically, um, then please do that as well. Um, and then everything social media wise is also my name, Ariel Astoria. Instagram is kind of like you might as well be emailing me at the same time. So I respond to Dems. I don't have someone controlling my Instagram. People are always very shocked by that. And I'm like, it's still me. And so I respond to your DMs. Um, please message me. Please send me pictures of, of you reading and engaging. Um, please let me know how this process is for you and with you. And also just feel free to hang out with me over there. Yeah. Ariel, thank you so much for doing this. I'm thank just like, you. it was a wonderful excuse to get a chance to at least e-meet you. And yes. one of these days, y'all, me and Ariel gonna get this hug. I'm telling y'all yeah. right now, we great. gonna get this hug and it's gonna be great. <laughs> thank you for joining it's me. Be great. Thank you for having me. Amina Brown is produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions as a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. 
For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.